Friends, would you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, that's a really nice way to begin the sermon, isn't it? Automated recording voice. I'd like to reflect with you for a few moments uh, on the passage from Ephesians. But first, I want to simply say to you, Happy New Year. Happy beginning of 2022. It's the second Sunday in the season of Christmas. Next Sunday, we'll begin the season of Epiphany, the season of the Revelation, where we celebrate the revelation of Jesus to the nations. In the words of Simeon's phrase just now, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Uh, but today is the last Sunday in Christmas, and it's really the beginning of a new year for us, isn't it? I wonder, I'd like to ask you a question, if you could sit with it for a moment. Where are you as you begin the new year? How is it with you? Where are you headed? The new year, I don't know how you celebrate it if you did at all, uh, but the new year is often a time for reflection on the past year, whether it was a good year, a year of growth, or a year of suffering. And it's a time of thinking about the year ahead. Hopes for the new year. Maybe you make resolutions for the new year. Maybe you just think about the new year. So it can be a time of hope. And it can be a time of anxiety. Sometimes we don't have a good answer for what lies ahead, or we don't know where we are. It may not, there may not be comforting answers to those questions. At times we may not have an answer at all. And yet it's hard to get away from these questions. Where are we? How is it with us? Where are we going? The questions that I've been thinking about as uh, we enter into the new year and Father Ryan begins his sabbatical, I'm thinking about bread of life. Where are we as a church? How is it going with us? Where are we headed? If, by the way, if you know the answer to those questions for the church and you'd like to message me or talk to me about it, I would be grateful for your wisdom and insight. But I want to think with you, or ask you to think about yourself. Where are you? How is it with you? Where are you going? As you think about it, and as I think about those questions, I often take one of two approaches. One of those is practical and pragmatic. And I'm sitting in my, sitting in my home. And where am I? Well, I'm at the beginning of the new year and I have a lot of tasks ahead of me. Maybe it's the last semester of my time in college. Maybe it's the uh, season in which I'm about to get married or where I'm about to remain single. Maybe it's the season in which I'm looking forward to something new or in which I'm dreading something that is coming. In any case, there are so many things that happen in our lives that make the question a very critical one. But there's also an emotional 
answer to this. Where are you? I'm in a hard place right now where I don't really know how to account for where I am. I feel numb. I'm anxious, but I don't know why. All manner of possible answers to such questions having to do with how we are feeling, which of course changes, but uh, is and is deeply connected to what it is to be us. Their practical approaches, their emotional uh, responses to the question, where are you? How is it with you? And where are you going? First as Christians, the deepest answer to those questions are spiritual. And in fact, there is a rather singular answer to all of them. And it is this, I'm gonna at least uh, propose that there is in fact a singular answer that is going to be necessary for us to articulate if we're gonna ground how we would work through those practical and emotional answers to the question of what is going on with us. And that is this, my brothers and sisters, we are in Christ. Where are we? We are in Christ. We are united with him. Amidst all else that we would say about ourselves, about what is happening in our lives, the central fact, the central truth of the Christian faith is that you are united to Jesus Christ. You are in him. He is in you. Whatever else we would say about your salvation, your relationship with God, your hope for the future, the, the world to come, your hope for your life right now, your hope for 2022, all of this begins with the deep and anchoring spiritual reality that we are in Christ. I know this is basic. If you've been a Christian for a moment, this might seem like sort of Christianity 101, but I have found that it is so central a truth that it bears repeating. And in fact, repeating is something that happens over and over in our epistle reading that Seth read for us. Something like 15 times by my count, you can do your own counting and see what you come up with. We hear something of the expression that whatever God is doing has happened in Christ, in him, through him, toward him. It must be a central thing then that being in Christ is what Paul is trying to talk to us about. But my guess is that most of your days, most of your moments, most of your excitement about the world and or your excitement about your own life or your fears and worries or frustrations about your life don't begin with reflection upon the fact that you are in Christ. That's just my hunch, born out of my own experience. And so we're kind of faced, I think, with a kind of strange reality about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a human. Just that on the one hand, we confess that the most fundamental reality about us is one thing, and yet our day-to-day -day experience of what it means, of, of where we are and of where we're going and of what is going on with us, takes its cue often from other sources. I'm reminded of something that Mr. Rogers said one time, Fred Rogers, uh, that the most important things in life are invisible. And he was talking in a, in a much broader sense, but I, you know, I, I think about that sometimes because it is a reminder 
that we are unable always to see the truth that is most significant in a situation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, something that I have come to think over and over as I think about myself and about my own life, this question, where am I headed? How is it with me? Where am I? He says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. See, there's a way of thinking and speaking, a way of living and perceiving the world that is kind of the normal way, the fleshly way, and a human point of view, says the New Revised Standard Version. Paul says that is not the way to see truly. So how do then we see ourselves rightly? I think the answer is that we come into the presence of God and we begin to speak, to rehearse, to repeat, to declare the truth that God has revealed about himself. We begin to declare to ourselves and to God in prayer and in praise and in blessing God's mighty acts. It's not by accident that the Eucharistic liturgy that we rehearse when we are meeting together and receiving the Lord's Supper says it is our duty and our joy to give you praise. And in our readings today, both from the prophet uh, and from the psalm, we hear the scriptural writers speaking in praise to God, reminding themselves and speaking in praise to God of what God has done. Simeon takes Jesus into his arms and says, now, Lord, you are being faithful to your promise. I have seen your salvation. He's rehearsing what God has done, and he's declaring what, in fact, is to come. And this act of entering into worship does something to the human heart that speaks this way. It reframes and reorients. And so what I want to do is just simply read again with you slowly and ask you to reflect on these words from Ephesians 1. They're familiar. In fact, it was not long ago that Father Ryan preached uh, a much better sermon on Ephesians 1. Uh, but let me just invite you, if you're able, to slow yourself for a moment and listen to these words that Paul has to say to us. In fact, the entirety of the verses that I'm about to read and that Seth read a moment ago in Greek is one long sentence. All of our translations break it up into multiple sentences so that we can follow. But it's really one long word of blessing to God. One long word of praise that recounts all of the various ways in which God has been at work in Christ, through Christ, for us to bring us to God. And this is how Paul begins this letter to the Ephesians. Of all the things that he could say, of all the greetings that he could make, he begins with praise. And it is something, I think, instructive for us as we think about what it means for us to orient ourselves to the, our own lives, which is a process that, process that is something we do continually over and over. So I invite you just to listen with me as we read and reflect together. He begins, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's just the first of these many in Christ sort of statements. It's not that God has simply blessed you, but that it is in Christ. It is in him and through him that you are blessed. 
But being in Christ means that you are blessed with not just some, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You might not have felt that way when you woke up this morning. But what Paul is saying is that the deep reality, the hidden reality, the heavenly reality is that you are in Christ, not in some uh, abstract way, but in reality. Even, he goes on, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Long ago, before there was earth, you were chosen in Christ that you would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he goes on, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Now that's a word that makes some of us wonder, predestined. But there it is. He pre-selected, he pre-chose. Before everybody else took their turn, he took his own turn and chose you for adoption. Not an abstract relationship, but adoption to himself as sons, as daughters through Jesus Christ. In the holiday season, many of us, some of us, but not all of us, spent time with family or spent time thinking about family, spent time wrestling with our relationship to our earthly parents. And I would wager that most of you, that for most of you, for most of us, that relationship is a little bit complicated. I know almost no one for whom that is not true. It is hard to live in the world with other humans, and it is hard to live in the world with human parents. My own failures in my relationship to my children bears this out over and again. Listen to this. Before everything else happened, you were destined for adoption to God as his son, as his daughter. That was his plan to bring you into himself, in his son, Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In this beloved one, some of the manuscripts here in the Greek add in the beloved son, uh, because of this resonance with Abraham's beloved son, whom he sacrifices in Genesis 22 and the declare, declaration and Jesus's baptism. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It's talking here about Jesus. It is that it's in Jesus, God's beloved son, that he has, God has planned through all time to welcome his, us, his children. That is what he wants to do. It doesn't say, interestingly, that from all time, God's plan was to uh, balance the scales of justice, because first and foremost, God is a God who is concerned with making sure that all of the books are in order. It's that he wanted you and me for himself. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Some of you need to hear that spoken over you. You have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of your trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. This is what happens when you're at maybe a Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner and there's a gravy boat 
and you tip your hand too much and there's all of a sudden gravy all over the plate. It is lavished upon you with wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of God's will. Because he has wisdom and insight, but part of what he wants to do with you and has done is to share that, making known to you what was otherwise mysterious and which was somehow always remains mysterious for us, but we are able to perceive it a little bit and taste it according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite, and this is crazy, all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, things seen and unseen, as the words of the Nicene Creed say. Everything, God has a plan to bring it together in Christ, and he has put Christ forward now, just like his parents bring him forth in the presentation in the temple. There he is before all nations and before Israel. There he is. My eyes have seen your salvation. Here he is. And in him, you are beloved and welcomed and chosen. This is the truth about you, that what is that God's favor and God's purposes, which are about to be happening, about to, which are being carried forth in Christ, you are caught up in that. In him, Paul says, we have an, obtained an inheritance. Perhaps your earthly parents have not left you feeling like you have very much from them. But in him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been, here it is again, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That is to say, this is not a thing that is unstable or about to slip and fall apart. It is certain. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ and here Paul is referring, we, I think, to the Jewish, the Jewish believers in Jesus. He's writing to Gentiles largely. We who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, in this great stream of God's working, he says it's come to us and now it's come to you. In him, you also, but notice that word in him again. It's always in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, this is interesting. In him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a guarantee, a down payment, a foretaste. The first payment, it's the guarantee of more payments until we acquire possession of our inheritance. All of this presupposes that what you have received now is not the fullness of what you will receive. That's what a down payment means. It means that more is coming. So more is coming. As you think about Simeon holding Jesus in the temple, he's speaking of the more that is to come, isn't, isn't he? Falling and rising many a sword piercing through his mother's soul. There is suffering there, but there is light, a light of revelation to the nations and glory to your people, Israel. This is God's salvation. Through whatever difficulty is ahead, 
the great and glorious working of God in history to unite all things in this strange baby from the outskirts of Galilee. In him is all of our hope, brothers and sisters. In him. So, where are you? How is it with you? Where are you going? The answers are particular in all of, in how they work them, their, their ways out in our lives, but the truth is foundational for all of us, and it is this, that you are in Christ. And as this is a hard thing for us to perceive and hold on to, what I would encourage you this week is that work to take a moment each day if you're able and slow down. And I would invite you to, I, I, I would encourage you, adjure you uh, to pick up this passage from Ephesians 1 and read through it. Read through it slowly. And in all these places where Paul says that he has chose us in him, say, for example, in verse 4, before the foundation of the world, try to put your own name in there even as he chose David and him before the foundation of the world. It might seem hokey. Trust me, though, read through it this way. Try to apply, try to put yourself where the scriptures put you. Try to make space to rehearse and see if you can bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done for you, what he is doing in you, and what he is going to do with you through Christ. So as you go your way, you're going back to work, you're going back to school, you're making preparations for what's to come. You're in Christ. You're not alone. You're in an argument with your friend, your spouse, your roommate, your coworker, but you're not alone. You're in Christ as you do this. You're dealing with the pain of broken family relationships, but you're doing that in Christ with the one who is a sign who would be opposed. You're not alone. May God give us grace this week to walk in the light of his truth. Amen.